Welcome to Daily Dose of Dr. Mary and Dee. I'm Maz Mary. And I'm Dana DelVal. Whether you're a person on an addiction sobriety path, or you know someone who is, we're here to talk about our journey with it. And more importantly, we want to help end the stigma and shame of alcoholism. And we want to bring some hope and laughter along the way too. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. Good morning. It's Thursday, which means it's guest Thursday, but this is our first repeat guest, I think ever, right? Yes. Yeah. Our first repeat guest. So this is episode 374 and we are bringing back a guest from episode 89, wow. 89. So let's get him up on camera and talk with Jonathan Hull. Hi, Jonathan. Hey, Jonathan. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good. Fantastic. How are you? I'm great. First repeat. I'm never first at anything. So first, (laughs) this is a big deal for me. So it's a big deal for us too. We were so thrilled when you had the time to come back. We loved our first conversation. So I went back and did a little searching. You um, was 89 episodes in. Uh, You would have been on with us sometime in October of 2020. So we were right in the thick of COVID. Yeah. And you were our sixth guest. So um, a lot has happened both sort of globally and personally in those little bit more than two years. So we're really happy to have you back. Awesome. I'm happy to be here. And yeah, a lot has, a lot, I was thinking about it this morning. Just, I I live in a different house from the last time I was on. I have a different job. Um, I used to have a a brown beard and now I have a white beard when it grows out. There's a lot that's changed. You had white glasses. Now you have red glasses. Yeah. Yeah. So um, a lot, a lot has changed at the whole household. Whereas right. we could say, well, my hair is shorter and my tech is better. That's really all that's changed. Yeah. Um, but you know, whatever it is. Yeah. what it is. Right. right. So uh, Jonathan, we saw you just, was it just last week? Yeah, the last, recovery reinvented. Last was that Wow. Okay. So last Thursday, I saw you last year at Recovery Reinvented. You were a keynote. I gave a quick, small talk. We connected because we had just been on Daily Dose together. And so in a year, you moved from being a keynote to being the director of Recovery Reinvented. So talk to us about that transition. I know it a little bit from Jenny's perspective, the previous director, but I'd love to hear it from yours. Sure. Yeah, you know, I've been, uh, I was appointed to the advisory council for the Office of Recovery Reinvented when when it was founded um, by Governor Burgum and First Lady Burgum. And so I've been involved with the office since the beginning from an advisory capacity. And, and as you mentioned, you know, last year got to speak at the conference. So I've had this unique perspective of being involved at different levels. But um, earlier this year, uh, you know, Jenny got an <laughs> opportunity and I've been close with Jenny. She's been a great friend and mentor to me. And, um, and when she moved on, this opportunity popped up and, you know, for me, I think I'd been feeling a pull to work in this space in some capacity. I think as time had gone on and as my recovery had, uh, had grown, I, um, I found myself volunteering more in this space, being more active in the recovery space. So it, it felt very serendipitous sort of where I was at a point in my life where I could take this opportunity. It very much felt like a once in a lifetime t- 
type opportunity for me. Um, and, you know, and when the governor and first lady call you, it's uh, it's difficult to say no to that as well. <laughs> you know, but, um, and what, you know, there are two people that are very passionate about this. Right. And when so when they ask you to join their team, um, you know, it uh, it happened really fast, but uh, but it's been fantastic. Right. So we I started back in June as the director of the Office of Recovery Reinvented, and we got right into uh, conference planning mode right away, which culminated in um, in the conference happening last week in Grand Forks. And so it was Maz's first conference, my second. Um, what a great day. We reflected on it Thursday evening. Yeah, we talked about day. it on Tuesday. But I'd love to hear what, what about it was fantastic for you being on the oh, other side of it. Yeah. Uh, well, some fantastic things. I mean, I put in 10,000 steps before 11 a.m. pacing backstage. So that was one fantastic <laughs> thing. Uh, you know, it was a totally unique and different perspective, right? Because I'm planning the logistics and, you know, we've got everything in the conference plan down, planned down to the minute from start to finish. So it's, you know, sort of managing all of that. I think what's fantastic for me, though, is at the end when you see the highlight video of the day and, you know, the highlight video is three minutes of people smiling. Right. And and then when it's all done, I mean, I got a lot. I mean, there was a lot of hugging going on and that was fantastic. I think um, hearing from so many different people at so many different stages of their recovery journey and um, and people who are just first starting to learn about what recovery can look like either for themselves or a family member. Um, that's the special sauce of recovery reinvented, I think is, you know, there are a lot of behavioral health conferences and things where you can really dive into the how, and we've tried to focus on this being a day of just celebrating all things recovery and having it be filled with hope and joy and inspiration. And I think when you get to the end of the day and see that you got to be a part of providing that for some people, uh, it's a pretty special feeling. So all the exhaustion and tiredness and everything kind of goes away um, when you just get to hear from people that were there and loved it. Yeah, well, we would be two of those people. Yeah, I, absolutely. I haven't talked about this anywhere, which is funny because it's such a huge part of my life. But one thing I appreciated about both last year and this year's events is the inclusion of real art. So yeah. I love yeah. that you don't order a made from China kind of plastic pyrexy. Here's your award, you amazing recovery person. You know, Hillary Kempenick. Mm -hmm. Is that how I say Hillary's last name? Yep. Did the art this year. Um, I can't remember last year's artist, but he was also amazing. But those boxes Hillary made this year yeah. were truly extraordinary. And then your... Um, you know, being Grand Marshal of the Drum Corps. <laughs> that was impressive. That was impressive. That was the single most serious looking group of teenage oh drummers God. I've ever seen in my I think, entire life. I think maybe yeah. next time get them some coaching in facial expression. <laughs> well, <laughs> but they you know, good. They were great. And uh, and I know the band director over at Central really well. So I, I, I reached out to her and asked if this was a possibility. Uh, but we didn't talk about how many people were going to be there. So the serious faces from the kids, I think, was because they walked in and looked at the room and were uh, like, oh, that's understandable. this is not uh, this is not 25 people that we're playing in front of. Sure. This is, you know, 750 people in person and another 1500 online. So 
I think they were a little taken aback, but they knocked it out of the park. They did. Yeah, they, they did. did. They Absolutely. were really, really good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I also was listening to last time's conversation. So in 2020, you were 12 years into your sobriety journey. Now you're obviously 14. Congratulations. Yep. Congratulations. You. Um, and one of the things that really stuck with both of us, because we've referenced it many, many times in the two years since we talked to you last was the approach that you took as one of the owners of Toasted Frog and that enterprise <clears throat> of how you support your staff yeah. through their own um, sobriety journeys, because it is not an insignificant thing that you have committed to doing uh, just to recap. Well, maybe I'll let you recap, Jonathan. How do you, how do you shepherd employees through that process? Because it's yeah. so powerful. Um, yeah, thanks. We take a sort of a three-step approach to um, to recovery in the workplace, and that is, you know, when people come on board with us, we simply share with them right right out of the gate that if you you know at any time need to seek help um, for for an addiction of any type, um, let us know, and we'll support you, and you can take as much time off as you need. Um, to, to get better. Uh, the second part is that we just say, you know, you don't have to worry ever about losing your job for sharing addiction or mental health battles with us. Don't worry about that because that, you know, whether it's true or not is a barrier for a lot of people in their heads that they say, I can't come forward or talk about this because it will uh, have, our, my employer will have a negative view of my performance and who I am so I could lose my job. I can't afford to lose my job. Um, usually at that point, when we get past that barrier, a lot of people say, well, that's great that I'll have a job waiting for me, but I can't afford to take 30, 60, 90 days off because I'll lose my apartment. I won't be able to pay my rent. So we just tell them that we're going to pay you when you're in treatment um, and just say, you know, here's the deal. You don't have to sacrifice financial well-being for your overall well-being. Mm -hmm. um, and... Um, so that way we just sort of take that barrier off the table. You know, helping people find treatment is ultimately just about eliminating barriers that prevent them from going. And if we have the ability in the workplace to eliminate those, uh, I, my belief is that we have a responsibility to do that. But I also think that, um, you know, we've proven through this model that it's, it, um, we don't, we don't lose a bunch of money by doing this. We, we get loyal, productive employees that come back to us and stay with us for years. They're more productive in the workplace. Uh, so we haven't actually measured it, but I'd be willing to bet if we did that we make money by taking this approach, yeah. right? Uh, because of the productivity that we get and the loyalty that we get. Um, so it's it's really a, it's a simple approach, but it's worked really well for us. Um, and it's in, it's an industry that's you know, plagued with addiction. I mean, there's no secret about it that the restaurant and bar industry has uh, has struggles with addiction. So um, it's been an effective model for us. It's amazing. Absolutely. Have you seen any other owners adopt this model since you have started? I mean, I imagine we're not the first place you talk about the fact that you do this work. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know if I've seen other businesses adopt this exact model. What I've always encouraged people to do, and I think I did this when I spoke at Recovery Reinvented last year, is to say, like, look, this is what works for us, right? For our size of business and for the type of business that we have, this is what works for us. It might not work for uh, a business that has 5,000 employees. But 
True. What is important is that you sit down as leaders in your company, as HR leaders, as uh, decision makers, and look at your policies and what you can do. And it's probably going to look different for every company in, in some capacity, but the conversations have to be had. Um, yeah. So, I I would say, and I I didn't think about this till right this minute, but I bet it was around the time of our conversation with you, um, a high level executive who I know who works in a very traditional business mm -hmm. five model, called me um, in 2020 and said, "Look." I've been watching Daily Dose a little bit, and we have an employee who very clearly needs to go to treatment. Mm -hmm. We're not exactly sure how to approach it with him. Uh, and we don't exactly know what to do as a business. Do you have any thoughts? And I remember thinking, wow, <laughs> this feels really out of my realm as an arts administrator, spouse of a recovering <laughs> addict. Um, but we we had multiple conversations um and they ended up rethinking their policy they yeah. stayed with the employee they sent the employee what i mean they had a conversation with the employee the employee agreed to go to treatment they helped fund it they secured his job they did everything that you have done and really this could hardly be a more different environment than the environment sure. that you work in but I just had a chance to have a recent conversation with that executive and that employee is doing beautifully. Yes. So, I mean, it's, it's really a remarkable thing because um, the, the executive said to me, we care about this person as our employee, as a member of our community. We don't want to just sort of set him adrift because he's not functioning in his job the way he was functioning in his job before this became a problem. So... I, I I bet that our conversation was a motivator around that, Jonathan. So I wanted to share that with you. Well, that's fantastic. And I think, you know, you know, the way you started that dialogue is talking about, you know, someone saying, I don't really know what to do. I know that this person needs help, but I don't know what to do next. Yep. And, you know, to think about how many, uh, there's a lot of people, I think, that are in that spot, right, where they haven't had to necessarily directly face this with someone. Um, but usually if you at least are willing to start conversations and lead with empathy and kindness, mm -hmm. I mean, it can go in the right direction. Right. I mean, you know, if that was their child versus their employee, they would be diving in and saying, what do we need to do? We got to do something here. Right. So I, I think you take the same approach, but um, th this has not been something that the workplace has had to deal with um, for the past few generations. Usually it's something, well, that's, you check your personal stuff at the door, right? Yeah. And you go home. So it's new, but uh, but there's, I think because of that, there's a real opportunity to make a difference if yeah. workplaces get more involved in this discussion too. Well, we spend the majority of our waking lives at work. We do. I mean, it would be great to say, yeah, this is a family problem. It really isn't. A, I mean, it is a family problem, but it's also yeah. an employee problem. Right. You're right. not getting your best from your employees if they are only trying to hide and as you two discussed last time mostly failing at hiding their yeah. challenge with addiction yes terribly failing yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i mean yeah. if you're failing at home you're also failing at work because you're just sort of failing full stop right right yeah. um jonathan i'm curious to know what else does recovery reinvented do 
besides yeah. your great big day? Yeah, I don't, you know, get the next uh, 360 days off. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, uh, we have, you know, so I, sh I think I'll, I should start by telling people the mission of Recovery Reinvented, the Office of Recovery Reinvented, quite simply is to eliminate the shame and stigma of the brain disease of addiction, right? And we do that through uh, through powerful storytelling, uh, really, is, is the way that we have seen make a difference. Um, so outside of that, you know, outside of the conference, we work hand in glove with the um, Department of Health and Human Services with the state of North Dakota, Behavioral Health Division, um, to lead conversations. Um, you know, we have roundtable conversations to try to overcome barriers with treatment providers in the state. Um, you know, I've told people that one of the things that I wasn't necessarily expecting about this job, but has been fantastic since I took it is uh, I get calls on a daily basis literally a daily basis from everyday North Dakotans that we put my cell phone number up on the website that call me and say, I have a son or a parent or a friend who needs help and I don't know where to go. So just what we were talking about yeah. and I get to walk them through that, um, which has been like the coolest thing. Um, uh, so, you know, we, we, uh, we work with other States on um, recovery friendly workplace initiatives and learn from other States to see, what we can do uh, on that front. Um, so, you know, really throughout the rest of the year, we're sort of just in the trenches trying to um, trying to convene conversations. You know, we have a legislative session coming up. Um, I imagine I'll be spending a fair amount of time at the Capitol in Bismarck having conversations um, as we head into this next legislative session and throughout that session. Um, so it's a lot of different things. My calendar is full. Uh, I'll tell you that much. Um, we uh, we travel around the state and speak speak at recovery centers. I share my recovery story at recovery centers. Um, so it's a lot of different things. But we're in a nutshell we're we're on the on the ground fighting the battle. So. Yeah, amazing. Um, what has surprised you about this job so far? Oh, I was going to say that. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. You asked. I'm sorry. I didn't hear you. What? You asked me about what show? <laughs> yeah. I, I think, you know, what I just, um, I think what I just outlined in terms of people calling me and I mean, it's done two things. Number one, it makes me happy that people are reaching out. Um, yeah. But it also at the same time has given me a sense of, you know, um, how much work we have to do right? Yeah. If people are reaching out daily. So um, I think one of the things that um, one of the things that has surprised me, and I saw this last week at the conference is um, I, until I started working in this space, you don't really get to see how, how much people really, really care about this movement and about the importance of it. And I mean, I, I you see it a little bit, but you know, I have, I bet you, um, I bet you I have over 50 emails from the 12 hours after the conference last week of people just reaching out and saying, how can I be a part of this and how can I help that have, oh, that's great. you know, that just want to volunteer. They might have a story, they might not. Um, so it, it's been, the hard part now is figuring out how we can, how we can uh, get everybody together and start fighting this yeah. battle. But again, we go back to, we have data that shows the importance of storytelling, right? The importance of like what you both are doing every day 
we have data that shows that that moves the needle. Um, so we want to keep doing that. Um, and you know, it's some of the stuff that we do is, is not measurable. Um, and that can make it hard. Right. But I, I think I have to just remind myself that the benchmark here really is one. And yeah. you know, what I mean by that is that, I mean, I mean, Maz, I think if you look back at when you were getting sober, I mean, if you, you probably, if you're like me, view the people that helped you as people that saved your life. Yes. Um, and so now we get to be in a position where, uh, where we get to do life saving work. And ultimately the benchmark for that is one. I mean, if somebody told you guys, you know, you're on episode what, 380? I mean, yeah, just about. Yeah. If somebody told you, you know, three years ago that, look, you're going to do 380 episodes of this show. And I can't tell you what the result can, the result's going to be, but I can tell you that you're going to save one life. You guys would have done it in a heartbeat. You wouldn't have even yeah. thought twice about it, right? You're right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, and and so I have to remind myself that the benchmark here is one, right? And that this is life-saving work. I mean, you guys, if it weren't for you two, you, you introduced me to Patty Sen through <laughs> your show. And now I recommend people go see her every week, right? Yeah. And she helps save their life, right? Yeah. So this is life-saving work and it's worth it. Um uh, and it's just a flat out honor and it's humbling to be a part of it. And mm. you can too. That's amazing. That is amazing. All right. I'm going to sit quietly so you can ask whatever questions you have. <laughs> I don't want to steal your thunder. <laughs> you know what, what moved me actually most about last week is when those in active recovery stood up and you asked us to sit down. I was amazed and thrilled and happy in a weird way. Lots of emotions. I sat down after, you know, it's a, um, you know, you said um, 10 to 10 three to, to five, I think three oh, to five years. What was it? Doesn't yeah, matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm on the cusp of six years. So I sat down that point and we continued, but I clapped for an awfully long time afterwards because you had a, someone who was 42 years sober and that was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, this, 40, this person who was she was in, was, she, yeah, she, was a, yeah. She, she must be close to 70, looked fantastic. She was happy and smiling. And I thought, that's what I want to be when I'm 70. A hundred percent. I think I told you guys, I mean, that's my favorite part of the day. You know, I've been at every Recovery Invented conference. So I've got to, you know, I've sat in the audience and been a part of that. And then the last two years, I've got to do it with the first lady on stage. And it's, you know, I even, I, I even watched the video has a view standing, uh, you know, that oh, yeah, the little one I took, and, yeah. yeah. And you know what? I mean, I don't know the, one of the first things I noticed you you're standing up pretty proud, right? You got your shoulders back a little bit and like from the stage, that's how everybody looks out there. It's amazing yeah. when we say, if you're in recovery, stand up from the stage to see everybody pop up so fast. Yes. It's a proud moment for people. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and those, and you know, I think last year we had somebody that was 46 years in recovery. I do too. It was a man. I, yeah. I, I remember thinking, you've been sober almost my entire life. Yes. I, yeah. It was shocking. I'll never For forget sure. that moment because I'd never been in a space like that where that happened. Yeah. And I think, <laughs> you know, one of, one of the most memorable things I have of an AA meeting is, um, 
guy called Jim. A lot, a lot of the people in in the um, men's only eight o'clock meeting are called Jim because apparently fifty years ago that was a very popular. <laughs> 50, 60 years ago. So this guy goes, you know, and he, he gave this great speech. He goes, well, I'm happily retired. I've been married 51 years because I've been sober 40 years. And he just went on saying, I had a, I had a great career. I'm on full retirement because I was sober 40 years. I own my house because I was 40, 40 sober years. My mm -hmm. children love me because I've been sober 40 years. My grandchildren look forward to seeing me. And he just went on. And I thought, I'm going to cry. <laughs> Yeah, it was powerful and it was fantastic. And it was whatever. If that's what he was trying to do, he nailed it because he just gave all the people that were in there straight from Prairie St. John. I, I was looking at them because mm -hmm. I sat at the table with a lot of them and they start, they perked up and paid attention to that one. Yeah, I think one of the most the, the, the really powerful thing about that exercise when we do it is. You know, we collect data for in terms of who's in the audience for Recovery Reinvented. So when you register, we ask you some questions. And and then when we, we do the recovery countdown, we're always surprised that there are a large number of people in the audience that are um, less than a week in recovery um, that have, you know, just found sobriety or are just beginning their sobriety journey uh, that come to this event. And for them to see... Um, right out of the gate, right when they're getting sober, all these people at different lengths of sobriety to say, oh, that person next to me is standing proud and smiling and they're a year in. And then that person is 15 years in and that person is 42 years in. You know, it it just, I think for those people, to for them to see a physical representation of what happiness and sobriety for a long time can look like is just so important for them to be able to keep going in, in week two. So, yeah. you know, I think the first lady said, I mean, that the, the people in 24 hours at that point um, or, or a week, that's the most important group. And for them to get to see the power of long-term recovery is just so incredible. Well, you know, it, it goes back to your point of the, the success goal is one. If if you've been sober for 24 hours, the success goal is can you get to 48 or maybe 25? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You know, I mean, I, I it's I think it's incredible to say 42, 43, but she only got to 42 or 43 because she was sober for 25 hours. Agreed. And then, you know, all those things. And that's what I love about it from my perspective is every minute is a minute further away from your last drink and and closer to yeah. the life that you're going to get to live. And that's, wow, we should all be so lucky to have such a mindful moment. Yes. Um, I am today, I am 50 days away from turning 50. And so I'm starting this big project where I'm going to talk to people who are 50 plus. And I started today at 11 and I am doing it because I feel like how much of the first 50 just went by, you know, mm. because you, you can't be like in a present state of gratitude every moment of your life or that's all you would do. But how do you, how do you sort of look back and pick up the things that have mattered and have helped and changed and grown you and pushed you and supported you? And how do you try to do more of that going forward? And I feel like this is the exact same. Yeah thing how do you just say to somebody you're 24 hours in if you get to the end of today you're going to be 24 hours plus seven more hours I, that's yeah. big yeah. 
it's really big. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's powerful stuff. Um, but, and like I said, we, you know, there's a lot of different things that happen throughout the day at the recovery reinvented conference. Um, but that's always my favorite. Never yeah. fails. It's always my favorite. Yeah. So when you go off and I mean, I presume part of your job is to go off and lobby at the state legislator, right. For, for funds. Or is it, it's not guaranteed. Is there a base rate you get and you have to go and ask for more? How, I mean, how does that work actually? For the office of recovery reinvented. Yeah. So you, you know what, uniquely our office and uh, every, all of the work that we do is funded 100% by donors and sponsors We there is, there is no taxpayer allocation at all for the Office of Recovery Reinvented. Um, so, you know, we have generous sponsors that step up um, on an annual basis and and fund the work of this office, um, which is great. Um, it's it's really, I mean, you you both saw the there were a lot of slides of sponsors at yeah, the conference, right? Um, and and many of those. Uh, have been sponsoring since the very beginning. Um, That's amazing. You know, I'll, I, I, I think I will be out at the at the legislature this year, probably testifying for um, and and having conversations with many of the legislators about um, the work of the behavioral health division in the state uh, <laughs> about policy changes. Um, I'll likely be testifying more as a person in recovery than I will be as the director of the Office of Recovery Reinvented. Um, we have, we have a significant opportunity to do something special in our state. Um, yeah. we just got to get the funding behind it. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I mean, from, from a, just a pure optics standpoint, because it's so driven by the governor and first lady, I think it's just better that it's not also attached to funding dollars. Cause that's just, a, sure. people like to keep things as clean as possible. And this means that you don't have to answer to a legislative body, which I think is important. This is not a partisan issue. This is not a East-West issue, wealthy. This is just an issue. This is a human right. issue. So that's fantastic. Yeah. I have an incredibly sensible conversation, so I'm glad you're sitting down. <laughs> so you know, we we voted we voted on on Tuesday, and we uh, in North Dakota we had two measures. Um, oh, this will be. I, yeah. So I, I voted yes to measure one because I think. Yeah, you know, sometimes it's, it's important to know, yeah, I'm done here. It's time to move on. But the <laughs> second one, I, I voted no for measure two because I know in North Dakota, it's legal to use marijuana for medical purposes. But I know so many recovering drug addicts who have always said in meetings they don't want it legalized. So I voted no. And 55 percent of the of the state went, yeah, fair enough. No. Mm -hmm. If you don't, if you don't have to answer this if you don't want to. But what are your what's your take on that? This is hard. Uh, I, I will tell you that. <clears throat> uh, ev so every year before every election, uh, uh, my wife and I always sit down and have a conversation. Right? It's voting day tomorrow. Let's have a conversation about this stuff. And I, it's very rare when I don't have a decision made at that point about what I'm going to do. I sat down Monday night um, with my wife and said, I don't know about this one. Right. Because I can I can honestly see. um positives and negatives on both sides of this issue and understand them and they don't seem radical right um, I, agree. I mean you know one could make the argument I think that um, that legalized marijuana is going to be a thing at some point in our state so yeah. 
you know, it, it's going to happen at some point. So is now the time or not? I do agree with you, you know, that um, uh, I have concerns about it um, being readily accessible for people, particularly at younger ages. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, there's a ton of science out there no, now that shows, you know, the brain isn't developed until age 26, right? Right. Um, uh, Dr. Perry in his presentation at Recovery Invented touched a little bit on the vulnerability of people when they're in transitions in their life. And those transitions happen, you know, when you go to college or when you start yes. your first job or when you're ending a relationship. Um, and, and, you know, it's really critical that we do what we can to make sure that people don't fill those holes in those transitions with drugs and alcohol. So do I, it's a maybe it's a maybe I'm punting on the answer here, but I don't have a, yeah. I don't have a good one because no. it's it's hard and it's tough. And, you know, there's a lot of people that are pro, that are proponents of it. That's that use the argument that alcohol is way more damaging. Right. Um, uh, so it's it's hard. Um, I, what I do like about it not passing is if it is in fact true that it's inevitable that it's going to come at some point and going to be legalized, it gives us at least more time to study yeah. it and to think yeah. about the impacts. And the longer that goes on, then um, I think that we'll have better, uh, better viewpoints on it. I mean, I, I, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, there's, you know, if you, if it was legalized, you could, you could tax it. Yeah, the body you'd bring in. You could not put people in prison. You, yes, you don't have to put a, a people in sort prison of for trivial anything. crime. But, yeah, but I just had the 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 conversations I had with these people in re recovery who said, "I'm all right with alcohol, but drugs had a bigger take on me, and I don't want to go back to jail. It's illegal. That's what's mm -hmm. keeping me straight and sober." And I just thought, "Well, I can't vote yes because if you if it's legal, then yeah, you're screwed." And yeah. you've admitted you're screwed. So I voted no for them more than yeah. anything. It, that's you know, I, think, I think one of the things that's interesting about it, and we don't need to go down this rabbit hole, but um, it really speaks to the complication of federal legislation versus state legislation oh, because yes. one state border to the next, is it just creates... Um, challenging complications. And I think you're right. I think it is going to be legalized across the country, but it's happening in such drips and drops. I know that it's creating complications for people that I think 10 years from now will no longer be a complication. There will be different complications from it all being legal, but it won't be this piece of it. So it's an interesting, interesting place and interesting to see the state be not overwhelmingly opposed to it, but Right. But, you know, enough of a majority that that took care of it. And so you're right. Hopefully what comes of it is we start to have honest, real dialogue about yeah. it, that we're not vilifying it, that we're not trivializing it, but that yeah. we're really looking at it and trying to figure out how do we prepare for it so that we can manage the the good and the bad that come of it. Right, right. Yeah, the conversations need to continue, right? I don't want <clears throat> I don't want our information on this topic to be coming in the form of three months of intense mailers right before a vote, right? That Absolutely. That have political talk. have a very clear agenda. I'd like, to read, I'd like to read a peer-reviewed published paper on it. <laughs> yeah, and I you do think, you know, 
but yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? I like some backup information. Yeah. Right, right. We've looked well, at the, the conversation today. around, you know, the criminalization of it. And I, I think it's it's related, but it's also separate, right? So yeah. I think we can take steps to make sure that we're not throwing, you know, low-level drug offenders in jail for years at a time. We can take steps to make sure that's not happening without it being legalized right. yet, right? Because right. um, we know what putting someone in that cycle can do to them in terms of addiction and recovery as well. So Very few people walk out better. Yeah. Right. We know right. That. Yeah, for sure. Well, Jonathan, maybe this is our last question, unless you have a burning question. What's um, good. what's next for <laughs> you that you are really looking forward to? Anything in particular? Yeah, I think, um, uh, you know, I'm excited to, uh, as weird as it sounds, I'm excited to start planning Recovery Reinvented 2023 um, and, and have a full year to do that. Um, yeah. I also think, though, you know, I told um, uh, some of my coworkers recently that I didn't take this job because I really love planning conferences. Um, I took this job because uh, I think that there's meaningful work to be done. We started off the conversation talking a little bit about workplaces. I can, I'll just, you know what? I'll just announce it here first. Okay. We'll just make an announcement. North Dakota will be. Um, uh, we're going to be working on a recovery-friendly workplaces certification program that is going to be a statewide program that employers can take training and learn how to help people in recovery in the workplace. There are a number of states um, that are doing this successfully. Um, probably, I would say, a handful that are doing it really successfully. We're in conversations with them. In fact, we have a meeting today with all of them later today um, where we're just going to do a report out. Um, and we're going to we're going to do a recovery from the workplaces initiative here in North Dakota. So that's probably what I'll be working on for the next few months uh, sure. is implementing that employers will be able to take training, get a certification um, and also be recognized as a recovery friendly workplace. So as people are coming out of treatment, they can identify certain employers that will understand what they're going through and say, I want to go work for them. Um, so that's sort of the next big thing. Um, and you heard it here first on Daily Dose, ladies and gentlemen. That's We haven't told anybody that until right now. Well, not only are you our first repeat guest, but you are our first, uh, you heard it here first, groundbreaking <laughs> yes, news. First, so so this has been a good day. That's amazing, Jonathan. That is amazing. Amazing. Yeah. I love yeah. it when uh, North Dakota, which is, um, you know, in many ways, a very traditional state. Mm -hmm. I love it when North Dakota says, we could do this differently. Yep. We don't have to stay the way we were in 1950. We could say things have changed and we want to be more responsive to the changes versus reactive. We want to be proactive. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, congratulations on yes, the successful absolutely. conference, on this upcoming work, on the new role, uh, right. on your continued sobriety. And thank you so much for joining us again. You know, I got one more thing to say. Oh. I mean, I, I was there last week, <laughs> and you were busy as hell. I was trying to catch your eye and wave, but I thought, no, he's you just—you must have been stressed at a very high level. But you just looked like you were thoroughly enjoying yourself as well. Uh, yes, and yes, I was—I uh, was stressed, right? Because you know, there's a lot of buildup going into this day, right? And we do a lot of planning for a one-day deal, so you don't want something to go terribly wrong, and you want to, you know, stay on schedule. Um, but uh, 
I there's a lot of team members behind the scenes that have been part of this conference from the very beginning and have said like, look, man, it's going to be fine. Yeah. Calm down. This is normal. We got it. Um, so that calmed my nerves a little bit. But I mean, to your point, Maz, I mean, I it's a fun day, right? Yeah. I mean, like it's it's fun to see uh that many people come together that normally wouldn't be together right i mean they're coming together around this topic and it's a really diverse audience right it's treatment providers it's people in recovery it's family members it's people who are just curious about it it's people that live in grand forks and just didn't had an open calendar so they decided to show up um (laughs) so it's a really diverse audience and that makes it just fun when everybody can take something away from it so yes i was stressed yes i was busy but it was a blast and worth good. everything. Good. good. Yeah. Makes all the stress worth it then. Totally. Totally does. Yeah. Well, Jonathan, we'll let you go and get ready for thank your you, great big you. state, multi-state meeting. But thanks so much for joining us again. Again, yes. Um, yeah. And for the work that you're doing. Yes. It's it's amazing. with everything you have planned in the future. Thanks. Thanks, you yeah. guys. Keep thanks for having posted. me. We'll all talk right. to you soon. Okay. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Everybody else, we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Thanks so much for tuning in to Daily Dose of Dr. Mary and DD. If you enjoyed the content and want to learn more, head over to Facebook to Daily Dose Dr. Mary DD. You can find us on YouTube under Dana DelVal. And if you want to get signed up for our weekly newsletter, email me at D-A-Y-N-A at D-A-Y-N-A-D-E-L-V-A-L dot com. Have a great day. We hope to see you soon. Bye-bye.